0: looking at this subject of gathering and uh, how the, you know actually when you gather with purpose it's a good thing and so as a church it's right to gather but it's also right to, to know why we're gathering not that we just do it because well that's what you do isn't it but rather we gather with purpose and we look to how we gather firstly to God to worship him and we gather also to grow uh, both in our love for God uh, our love for one another as well, but also our, our love for the Word, God's, God's Word to us in the Bible, and to gather to uh, grow also in the Spirit, and to uh, grow in gifts of the Spirit and learn to uh, to hear from Him as well. And um, I think I may have said previously, uh, having a Word and Spirit is right, and some churches would emphasize one over than the other. We would try and emphasize both. And uh, I came across a great quote about this, which was this, having word and spirit is not about giving equal time to both in every meeting, but rather having equal emphasis and value. Uh, And so there might be some weeks where you give more time to one or the other, but our emphasis and value uh, is the same. So we looked at gathering to grow. Last week we looked at gathering to care. And nobody's yet given me a word beginning with G for that. I may be gathering to... uh, to grow in care perhaps, but gathering to care for one another, loving one another. And then this week, as we wrap up the series, I want to look at the subject of gathering to go. Gathering to go. So why don't we pray and then we'll open God's word together uh, and look at that. Father, we do thank you for your presence with us. We thank you for your word to us as well. And as we uh, open up the scriptures now, we pray, Holy Spirit, that you would come and be our teacher that you would speak to us, help us to understand what we read, and you might apply it to our lives. We ask it, please, in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Okay, so the subject then is gathering to go. And uh, if you look through the New Testament, you'll, you'll find that people time and time again are always gathered in in order to be sent out. There's, all, there's, there's, a, there's an order the things in the Bible, and, and that's it. People are gathered in, in order then that they might be sent out. And it seems that uh, it wasn't a static thing in the New Testament. You'll find if you read through your Bible that New Testament church life was an adventure. If you read through the book of Acts, uh, for example... Um, I think it's called that because there were lots of acts, there was lots going on. It was an exciting uh, time of, of church life because the New Testament church was on a mission. They were very clear about it. They were they were on a mission together. And Jesus himself didn't just gather the 12 in the disciples for their own benefit. It wasn't just, guys, come, come and be with me, come, come and hang out with me, come and learn just so that they as individuals might grow or might learn or be with Jesus, but rather he gathered them in with a purpose that he then might send them to go. So they were gathered in in order that it may impact and reach others. And right at the very beginning, um, when uh, Jesus' earthly ministry in, in Matthew chapter 4, we find, um, we pick it up if you've got Bible with you, Matthew 4. Verse 18, we come across Jesus uh, calling the first disciples. And it says, uh, Matthew four eighteen. As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, called Peter, and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will make you fishers of men. And at once they left their nets, and followed him. So, right there at the very outset, the very beginning of Jesus' call here to, uh, to Peter and to Andrew, it, Jesus makes it really clear it's for a purpose. Come follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Right at the very beginning, they knew what they were signing up to. It wasn't just to hang out with Jesus, it was for the purpose that he might make them fishers of men. So being with Jesus then is about actually doing something. It's about going, and I think too often we've, we've undersold what it means to be a Christian. Perhaps we haven't described it very well. So often we describe it just about you know our relationship with God. We might talk about the forgiveness of your sin and your relationship with God and you know your, your place in heaven. And all that's true, and all that's right and it's good we talk about that but actually being a disciple being a follower of Jesus it's about more than that it's about being a disciple a disciple is someone who does follow and it's about an active thing we can often get caught up in you know very if you like a very consumerist gospel it's all about me it's all about my relationship with god it's all about my place in heaven it's all about my forgiveness Actually, being a Christian and following Jesus, it is about your forgiveness and your place in heaven and God loving you. But it's not just about that. Because once you put your trust in him, once you decide to follow Jesus, as Simon Peter and Andrew found out right at the very beginning, it was for a purpose. In order that Jesus might then send them. And as he wanted to send them, so Jesus wants to send us. Two, So maybe your understanding of being a Christian has perhaps been limited. Uh, I want to encourage you this morning to to broaden your minds and thinking actually it's about following Jesus and as you follow you'll discover that he sends you to go just as he sent the early disciples as we'll see in a few moments. In fact let's have a look at that right now. If you've got a Bible with you perhaps you could turn with me to Luke chapter 9 please. Hoping you have got a Bible with you, particularly if you're regularly with us, if you're a member of Jubilee. If you're just visiting, then you're exempt from this comment. But if you're part of Jubilee, guys, you should bring your Bible to church. So I'm expecting a great rustling of pages now as you find Luke chapter 9. And hopefully you found it uh, by now as we've, we've, we've talked. Okay, Luke chapter 9. We find here that Jesus sends out the 12. So Luke 9, when Jesus had called the 12 together, that's the 12 disciples, those that Jesus called to be with them, remember? He called them together and he gave them power and authority to drive out all demons, to cure diseases, and he sent them out to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. That's a pretty clear instruction, isn't it, really? He sends them out to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. Uh, it says they all set out and went from village to village, preaching the gospel and healing people everywhere. So much was going on, Luke has to give us a bit of a summary, it seems. So what's going on? Well, they'd, they'd been with Jesus for a while. They'd watched Jesus. They'd observed what he was doing. They'd heard him preach. They'd heard him explain the kingdom of God. And they'd watched him perform miracles. They'd watched him heal the sick and do other things. And Jesus gathers them in and says, guys, you've seen me do it. Now it's your turn. It's time for you to go and do the same thing. And uh, we are told that they went out and they preached the kingdom of God and healed people everywhere. It's interesting and important to note that he gives them power and authority to do this. This was not just a good idea. They didn't go to Jesus and say, hey, can can we ever go? Is, Is that all right and Jesus said, well, well, you could you could try if you like. No, no, no. He gives them power and authority. They go in his name. That's what it means. They I go in, in his power and his authority. Luke makes that really clear. wants us to understand that. And the same is true for us too, as we'll see in just a moment. But before we, before we, we let it settle in our minds as though, well, that was just the 12. They were special, weren't they? Before you think that, just turn over a page or two to Luke chapter 10. And in Luke chapter 10, Luke tells us this. After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. He told them the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest fields. And uh, verse 9, he goes on. This is what he tells them to do. Heal the sick who are there and tell them, the kingdom of God is near you. It's the same message, isn't it? The same thing that he told the 12 disciples to do. Jesus now sends out 72 others. So it isn't just about the 12. They went, they, they saw wonderful things they obviously come back. And then Jesus gathers 72 others, not just the 12, but more now, and sends them out. And again, he appoints them. It's the same thing. He gives them power and authority to do it. They don't go in their own strength. It isn't their own idea. They go in Jesus' name because he gives them his power and authority to do it. You see, when somebody is appointed to a role, they, they're given power and authority to carry out that role aren't they maybe if you were appointed to a job to uh, to manage uh i don't know, manage a factory for example for the factory owner uh, and the factory owner might come to you and say you know i want you to manage this factory and this process and these people and in doing that in giving you that job you'd be then be given the authority and the power and hopefully some budget also uh, to do that wouldn't you and you wouldn't be doing it in your own name, but rather in the, in the name of the one who owned the factory and that you were being sent into. It's the same thing that's happening here. Jesus is appointing people. He's sending them with his authority in his name. And so Jesus sends out the 12. He now sends out the 72. The message and instruction is the same, but, but the core group is widened. It isn't just the 12 anymore. It's the 12 and there's the 72 as well. The New Testament doesn't allow us to think this was just about the 12. It's very clear it's not. It's about a much wider group of people. It's interesting, isn't it, that we're told Jesus sends them out in twos, obviously to encourage one another along the way. I wonder, how are you doing about encouraging one another along the way? All of us are on a different place, I guess, in our Christian journey. So are you encouraging one another? Are you encouraging others in, in their journey with God? We need to be doing that. That's helpful. And uh, Luke wants us to see that as well. But before we think that it was not just about the 12, but okay, we agree it was about the 72, it's not. (laughs) Turn with me to Matthew 28. Well, at the end of Matthew's Gospel. Matthew 28, verse 18. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I'm with you always, to the very end of the age. So now, just before Jesus ascends back into heaven, he gives his disciples some final instructions. And it's about making disciples it's about going and, and preaching the kingdom of God, healing the sick, making disciples, and then teaching them to obey everything that Jesus has taught them. So it must therefore include this whole idea of going and being sent, because that is included in everything that I've taught you, is what everything that Jesus is talking about here. So we've seen that we the disciples follow, they're gathered in, but the disciples also go because Jesus sends them out, And the Bible now makes it very clear, this isn't just about the 12, not even just about the 72, but it's about every follower of Jesus since and until Jesus returns. We're all caught up in this. This whole thing applies to every one of us. It's not just about the 12 or the 72, but it's about all of us, every single one. It's about me and it's about you. Turn to the person next to you and say, it's about all of us. So, are you following? Are you going? See, what has often, happened too often is churches, right, is right across the ages, too often churches tend to become, or often can become, purely pastoral. It's very easy with churches just to get focused on people in the church and just to get their minds set on looking after the people in the church. Now, it's important to look after people in the church. Let's make it really clear. One of our values is loving one another. We mean that. It's important. The Bible expects us to be doing that. But sometimes churches can get purely pastoral, and they end up being focused just on people in the church to the extent that people outside the church are forgotten. You know, Those who don't know Jesus yet... Uh, are sort of forgotten about and not prioritised because all the effort and energy and time goes into caring for those in the church. And so what happens is you know, those outside the church who don't know anything of God's love and His mercy and grace for their lives, well, they're sort of left just to you know either evangelistic agencies uh, and evangelists, or or they're just left to just the keenies. You know, the, and every church has got a few keenies. But, you know, they're lost out there. there. We'll just leave those to the kings, and we'll just look after everybody here. That's not God's plan for the church, friends. It's really not. We need to understand it. There is only one evangelistic agency in Scripture, and it's the local church. That's what the Bible expects us to be doing. Bill Hybels, who I've often quoted, says this. He says, The local church is the hope of the world. But for the world to know that, (laughs) the church needs to tell them and to demonstrate it to them. The disciples gathered in, in order to go. That was always the plan then. And friends, it's always the plan now as well. Caring for one another is important, but it's not an end in itself. It's in order that we might help one another, love one another, build one another up, you know, bring healing and restoration to one another in order then that we might go. It's got purpose to it. It's not just, you know, loving and caring for, for that, that sake, but it's in order that we might see people restored by God's power of the Holy Spirit, by the power of the gospel. We might see God work in people's life in order then that they might fulfill the Great Commission as well and might be able to get caught up in it. P.J. Smyth says this in his book, The World Needs More Small Group Leaders. He says this, In a masterstroke of satanic genius, today's church is riddled with the unbiblical assumption that the church is primarily a pastoral community that cares for her members, whilst the radical types get on with the evangelism and missionary work, supported by the normal ones. He goes on, no, no, no. God's intention is that the church itself is a mission agency with everyone involved. We are a pioneering community on a mission and we'll meet each other's needs on the way. Pastoring each other is vital, but it must be done in the context of mission. If someone is sick, then we put them in an ambulance and nurse them back to health along the way. We are on a mission, he goes on, to reach the lost. And we'll care for each other along the way. We don't shoot our wounded. (laughs) We put them in a high-tech ambulance and we care for them whilst they rest and heal. But all the while, we keep moving. I think an ambulance is a really good picture for us. Because ambulances move, don't they? They're not designed to be static things. Hospitals are designed to be static things. You build them in the place. They generally stay there. Ambulances are designed to move. That's why they've got blue lights on top. That's why they've got sirens inside. They're designed to, to move and to travel. And I think PJ's example of putting people in an ambulance is a great example because the ambulance travels. It moves. It's on a journey. And the same is true for us. We're moving. We're on a journey. And so, yeah, absolutely we care for those who need care. But it's in the context of movement and mission. They make it really clear, pastoral care is vital. We looked last week, didn't we, about gathering to care. That is important to us. Let me underline that. But we also need to realize it's not the only thing the church is about. Now, if you are in a season of life right now, as some of you will be, where you think actually I need to be in that ambulance. <laughs> That's okay. Don't feel bad about it. We all have seasons of life like that. Probably all of us at one point or another will be, if you like, to, to continue the picture in the, in the ambulance. That's fine. But we're not designed to stay there forever. Ambulances aren't for that, are they? You know, it's not for staying forever. And so if you're in a season of life right now where you think, actually, I need to be in that ambulance, I need to receive care and love and healing and God's grace afresh, that's okay. But listen, you won't always be there. You're not designed to always be there. But if you're in that season right now where you think, actually, I'm just about to get into it, that's okay. I don't know if you're bad about that, but it's not going to be forever. We'll all be in there sometime. You see, there will be some whose primary gifting is pastoral. God gives those sort of people to the church. And they are a great blessing and totally needed to every local church. There will be others whose primary gifting is evangelistic. And that's great too. They're totally needed and important to every local church. But either way, we are all called to go. We are all called, every single one of us, to be on mission both as individuals and together as a local church. Tim talked about the New Frontiers magazine, which arrived at our house this week to be given out uh, this Sunday. And uh, it's great because it really ties in with what I'm preaching about today. So I'd like to be able to say we arranged it like this, but that would be wrong. But maybe God did. Listen to what Terry says in his introduction to the magazine. A non-missional church... Misrepresents the true identity of the church we are here <coughs> excuse me, we are here to shed light into the darkness without the holy spirit's presence and power, there is no light, but to hide our light in self sufficiency or charismatic introspection is to miss the point badly. We must retain intentional Focused commitment to evangelism and relevance while at the same time wholeheartedly celebrating the Saviour in worship, eagerly anticipating a full manifestation of His presence. It's true, isn't it? So we need to remind ourselves, just in, as, we, as we close this series, that we gather also to go. We gather to go. So, what does going mean for us as a church? What does it mean for Jubilee? Well, number one, it means that we need to ensure that we're always seeking to reach out all the time. It's a priority for us. God has given us a mission to reach this city with the good news of the gospel. That's why we're here. That's why um, God sent many of us to this place. Some of you have joined us along the way. But God has given us a mission to reach this city and as we talked about earlier, put us in a family of churches that's got a heart to plant many churches right across this nation and indeed the nations, in order that many people might be reached with the good news of the gospel. We're going to play our part in that. So going for us as a church means just that, playing our part in that, making sure we're clear about what our mission is and going for it. It means doing things like running great social events, having fun together, but not just for us, in order that we might invite many other people in as well. It means planning great guest services that you can invite people to and be confident about inviting your friend because you know if they come, it'll be a good experience for them and they'll um, be blessed because of it. It means things like looking for ways to serve the city. So our SMILE project, for example, is a great example of this as we seek to serve families who have got kids with additional needs and uh, able to take care of them every so often to give the families a break. It means that we do our best to ensure that Jubilee doesn't become just a pastoral community, but rather a community of radical, life-bringing, gospel-centred, Holy Spirit-filled disciples. That's a good phrase, isn't it? A community of radical, life-bringing, gospel-centred, Holy Spirit-filled disciples. Who love Jesus and love those who don't know Him yet? That's the sort of church you want to be, isn't it? But as well as for us as a church, it means something for us individually. I've been meditating recently on um, the passage from Matthew five, where, where Jesus talks in his uh, Sermon on the Mount discourse. So he's he is preaching to a great crowd here, and in Matthew five, he says to them, "You are the salts of the earth." But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It's no—it's no longer good for anything, except to be thrown out and trampled by men. You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people put lights—sorry, uh, neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand. It gives light to everyone in the house. Jesus didn't say you might be, or you could be. He said you are. You are, you are salt, you are light. What does salt do? It preserves, isn't it? It preserves food, it brings flavor as well. But in order to work, salt has to have proximity. If we imagine that Tim here was a, a, a roast chicken, <laughs> which i may very difficult, but I can, I can see it. If you imagine salt, if you imagine Tim was a roast chicken here, uh, and we had a pile of salt over here on the stage, then it wouldn't actually do our roast chicken any good. Because for salt to have any effect, it requires proximity. Now, actually, for it to have a really effect, it needs to be right up close and really rubbed into him, is isn't it? Yeah. There we are, so right into the, into the shoulders, there. Okay? It's no good if it's a distance away. Salt needs proximity to work. And you know what, friends? For us to have an effect on others and to be like salt and light to them, we've got to have some proximity. We need to have some relationships. We've got to have some friends. We need to have some proximity to people that don't know Jesus yet in order that hopefully by our lifestyle they might see something of the love of God but not only by what we we do, but also by what we say. So going means something for us as a church. It means something for us individually as well. So for me personally, this whole idea of going and being sent means that I need to make sure that I've got a passion for people who don't know Jesus yet and want them to have that, that knowledge and joy and life in their life as well. It means making sure that's stoked up in me. It means that I need to... Hang out with people that don't know Jesus yet. Have some friends who are far from God because, remember, salt needs proximity in order to work. It means being prepared to pray for people, like for healing. So we've got some neighbours who, who are recently unwell, and I've visited them in our road, and uh, they're an elderly couple, and uh, I took them some supplies, and it'll be helpful to them both. And I you know, said, so how are you doing? Oh, well, you know, uh, she can't keep any food down. She's just been sick all the time. And his foot's swollen up because he's been visiting her in hospital. And it, it just really down about it. And uh, I'm thinking, I need to pray for them. Maybe you've been in that situation, thinking, I've got to pray for somebody. But you're there and your stomach t- start, starts to churn. You think, oh, I can't do it. What would I say? I'm thinking, no, no, I need to do this. And uh, so we were talking a bit more. I'm thinking, I've really got to do this. And we talk talking a bit more, thinking, I've really, really got to do this. Eventually, I said, look, I, I can't remember how I started the conversation. We might have been talking about uh, work. They, they, they know that, you know, I'm, I, I lead Jubilee. And, and I said to them, look, look I, I'd love to pray for you. Can I, can I do that? And they're like, oh, uh, yes, okay. Now, normally, at that point, people expect you to say, well, I'll pray for you tonight, you know, by my bed sort of thing. That's what people are expecting. Now, at that point, you have a choice. Either you say, having said, I'll, I'll, I'll pray for you. You can either leave it and say, I'll pray for you tonight. Or you can do what I did and say, well, well can I do that now then? And I'm a bit taken aback at this. So I'd say, can I pray for you? Well, uh, yeah, well, can, can I do that now then? Now they're, they're really surprised. They're, well, well, okay, if you'd like to. Thinking, well, they'll, sort of, they'll, they'll humor me. And I go, yeah, I'd love to actually. And so I prayed very quickly I just prayed for healing for both of them from different conditions. And when you're praying for, for people who don't know Jesus yet, make it short prayers. They don't want to be sitting there for hours. So a really short prayer, pray for God to heal them, to break in. And we left it like that. And they were, oh, okay. And I saw them a day or so later and said, how are you? What do you know? I've been able to eat again, she says. And, and, and yeah, my, my foot started to go down. And They're, they're, they're totally surprised, totally shocked. They go, oh, we've got a little guardian angel in the road now. Well, I'm not sure i describe myself like that. But they did experience a measure of God breaking into their lives. And friends, we've got to have that proximity. We've got to be prepared to step out and say, hey, can I pray for you now? (laughs) And do it. And then follow up. How are you doing? How is it now? You might never know, but ask the question a day or two later. How are you doing? What do you know? What? You know, The when it's gone down and I can keep some food. It's great. I realised that God had done something for them. That's what it means for me, doing things like that. I've recently also become a school governor at Lydia's school. And that's good for a whole bunch of reasons. I think as a parent, it's a good thing to do if you've got children at school. But as well as that, I wanted to have some effect in the local community. I felt that by doing this would be a way that I could perhaps give some time and energy and a way, hopefully by... The way I live my life demonstrates something, what it is to follow Jesus. So it's a way that I can go and be involved in, in that whole community. And I trust brings some light and some salt into that as well. So that's what it means for me. What does it mean for you? You've got to work it out for your own life. But I've shared with you what it means for me. What does it mean for you? Loving people who don't know Jesus yet. Building friendships with people who are far from God. Caring for those who are poor and needy in your world. Seeking to be salt and light in your world, be it your family or your workplace or your friends. Looking to bring flavor and light and joy and hope. That's what it means for you. But you've got to work out practically how you're going to put that into practice. See, a little salt makes a huge difference, doesn't it? It doesn't need a lot. But a little salt makes a massive difference. And friends, you can make a huge difference you might think i haven't got much to give listen a little salt makes a massive difference you can make a huge difference so gathering to god is about gathering to him to worship it's about gathering to grow in word and spirit gathering to care for another and then gathering to go and it's not just about the few keenies but it's about all of us about me you it's what God intends so my question is this what are you doing to go now for some of you in time that may mean going to another place maybe to help a new church plant maybe some of you might even be leading a new church in years to come in another place it might be in this country or another nation even it may mean going physically like that but listen for all of us it means having a going attitude in our spirit and seeking to step out in every opportunity that God would give us they saw, you can do it. You really can. And it isn't worked out primarily on Sunday mornings. This is worked out on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday, Thursday, Friday and Saturday. This is worked out where you live. It's worked out in your workplace. It's worked out with other mums you might meet up with. It's worked out with your friends at the pub or at the sports club that you see during the week. It's, it's worked out in a lecture hall at university. It's worked out as you meet with people in your world. In, in the autumn term, I'm going to be preaching from Daniel. We're I mean, going to call the series Faith at Work. Because Daniel is somebody that saw his faith really put into action. But I want to encourage you this morning, be sorts and be lights. A quick story to close. Some years ago, when Bill Clinton was US President, Mother Teresa was invited to speak at a presidential prayer breakfast. Now Clinton was well known for his pro-choice stance on abortion. So he was in favour of giving, giving, that, giving that option. But Mother Teresa obviously wasn't <laughs> so keen on that, was very well known for her pro-life stance. So she'd been invited to speak at this prayer breakfast. As she spoke, she just went for Clinton and, 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 and attacked his stance on this issue. As soon as she finished, you can imagine it, can't you? All the press were immediately around Bill Clinton, wanting to know what he thought about what Mother Teresa had to say. The, the Clinton is somebody who was very careful, perhaps, with words, you may recall from different issues. He said this. Press around him, buzzing for you know a statement about what she'd said what she'd said to him. He said this. It's hard to argue with a life well lived. That's what he said. It's hard to argue with a life well lived. Listen, for you this morning, what would it mean for you to live your life well? What does it mean for you to live your life well? How can you bring salt and light to your world? What does it mean for you to go? Let's stand and I'm going to pray as we close. I'm going to pray now, and I'm expecting that God would speak to us. I really am. I'm uh, expecting that God would speak to you. But as well as speaking to you now, I, I want to ask you to do something. And I want to ask you this week to take some time and to think about what we've said this morning. Now maybe you do that every week with my preachers. I don't know. <laughs> some nervous laughter. <laughs> but listen, this week, can I ask you take some time Sit down with maybe your Bible, look at these passages again, with a notebook, and ask God, what does it mean for you? How can you bring salt and light to your world? Those people that you meet, maybe at a club you go to, maybe in your road, maybe at the shops, maybe at your workplace, at the uni, whatever it might be for you, what does it mean for you to be salt and light? I want to ask you this week, sit down before God, ask him, And I believe he'll speak to you. And he'll give you clarity and give you strategy. And also stir your heart for those who don't know Jesus yet. Because friends, we've got a quarter of a million people right within striking distance of us here. Most of whom don't know Jesus yet. A whole nation that's far from God and and going in (laughs) very poor directions. And goodness knows how many people around the world who currently are for a heading for an eternity without Jesus. Listen, this is, this is serious. Yes, it's absolutely right that we care for one another, but we care for people on the move. In an ambulance, that's going somewhere. We seek to restore people and love them in order that they might be restored and loved to all that Jesus intends for them so that they too may also go and reach their world. Let's pray together. Holy Spirit, I want to ask you to come now as we stand here, uh, Lord God, in your presence. I pray now you'd speak to every heart here. For you would speak to that, what it means for us to go. I pray you'd speak to us as a church. God, we we say please speak to us as Jubilee, what it means for us to be a going people together. And I pray you'd speak to every heart individually right now and also this week. I pray, Lord, you would challenge us on this. I pray you would provoke us. I pray you would gift us, give us confidence and faith to step out in these things, that we might be a going people. Lord, to reach this great city you've called us to, this nation that we love, and indeed the nations of the world. I pray, Lord, that we would gather to you in worship. We would gather to grow in your word and spirit. We would gather to care and then we would gather to go for your glory we ask it in Jesus name amen amen Amen. god bless you have a great week as you seek to live for him and I look forward to seeing you again next Sunday as we gather here at 10 o'clock Thanks for listening to this Jubilee Church podcast. Feel free to check out our website at www.jubilee.org.uk or come along on any Sunday morning.